Amen. Well, it's now March 2021, and uh, we went into the first lockdown in March 2020. So that is a a year, uh, 12 whole months in and out of lockdown. And you don't need me to sort of go through the details to say that that year, this last year, it has been a year of troubles, all sorts of troubles, health troubles, economic troubles, well-being troubles, fitness troubles, my growing belly is testament to that one, uh, all sorts of troubles. And so, yet again, we can so easily relate to how the disciples are feeling in this Questioning Jesus sermon series as we look at uh, them gathered at the Last Supper the night before Jesus goes to the cross because they are troubled. And the reason, the context, why the disciples are troubled is because what Jesus says in verse 33. Just have a look. Verse 33, Jesus says, My children, I'll be with you only a little longer. You'll look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. And so Peter responds. He responds with this week's question, Lord, where are you going? And you can almost see the the fear, the troubles bubbling up in, in Peter's heart as he speaks out those words, Lord, where are you going? And so Jesus replies, Verse 36, Jesus says, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. So it's not exactly a particularly happy message from Jesus, is it? I mean, not only Jesus, their leader, the one that they've staked their lives on, he's about to leave to go and die, all his ministry seemingly just ending in abject failure. Not only that, but also now Jesus is saying that they are all going to die soon too. And so the disciples, they are facing troubles with life and troubles with death. Just as each one of us, perhaps more so than ever in our lives before, we are facing troubles with life and troubles with death. And yet look at what Jesus says to those disciples. Chapter 14, verse 1, he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Now take troubles with death first. You know, just think of the budget that uh, Rishi Sunak announced on Wednesday. The budget, it's not exactly something that, that often sort of speaks into matters of mortality, is it? And yet, how did the Chancellor conclude his speech as he summarised all the numbers of the budget? This is what he said. He said, so that is our budget, our plan, our numbers. But the number that in so many ways defines the last 12 months is not included in today's budget document. I want to finish my remarks by acknowledging all those who have lost their lives to coronavirus, to the family and friends left behind, your loss in the quietest moments must be overwhelming. So 140,000 cases of an overwhelming loss from COVID in this last year. Or I think of funerals that I've taken where people haven't just been sobbing, but where people have been wailing through the funeral, feeling that overwhelming loss that Rishi Sunak speaks of, of a loss of a loved one who's died. And yet, what does Jesus do? Jesus just says, don't let your hearts be troubled. It sounds so insensitive, doesn't it? And that is just thinking about other people's death. Even before we begin to think about our own death and our own fears and our own troubles regarding that. You know, I was talking just this Thursday with someone who's terminally ill with cancer. This person, he's been given six months to live and that was nine months ago. He is quite literally living on borrowed time and there he is having to face up to his own death. 
So let's look at two reasons why Jesus Christ, why he can legitimately say to you and me, and it's not being insensitive as he says this, why he can say to us, do not let your hearts be troubled. And he can say that even in the face of death. Here's the first reason. Jesus, he has prepared heaven for his people. So look at verse two. Jesus says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. Now, Jesus is not saying there that he's sort of nipping back to heaven to do a bit of spring cleaning. It's not like heaven's got a little bit dusty and Jesus is there with his pinion and his feather duster trying to make it spick and span before people start arriving. No, it's, it's not like, you know, we're all gonna be in a few weeks or months time as we're trying to get our houses spick and span our homes before people enter those. No, it's not that. No, it was actually Jesus' very going to heaven that was the means of preparation. Because as Jesus was about to leave his disciples, he was heading to heaven, but he was heading to heaven via the cross. And Jesus Christ, he has prepared the place of heaven, not by sort of cleaning and dusting it, but he's prepared it by dying on the cross to gain the right for every single person who has ever put their belief and trust in Jesus, enabling them to enter into heaven. Take Peter. Just look at verse 36 again. Simon Peter asked Jesus, he says, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. And Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And literally there in verse 37, Peter's saying, I will lay down my life on behalf of you, Jesus. Peter thinks that he can die in place of Jesus, that he can die on behalf of Jesus. But Peter doesn't understand that it is actually totally the other way around, isn't it? Jesus had to die on behalf of Peter. Jesus in Peter's place, not the other way around. Because the only way that you or I or Peter can know the certainty of a place in heaven is by trusting in Jesus' death. Jesus' death in our place. Jesus' death on our behalf. A few years ago, some um, friends of ours told us that they wanted to organize a mystery weekend for Susanna and me. And they gave us our mystery weekend in this box here. And we were told that we weren't allowed to open this mystery weekend until the Friday evening of the designated weekend. And um, it was amazing. And so when we got to eventually they got to that Friday evening, we opened the box and inside of the box, there were two Eurostar tickets to Paris. Uh, there was a booking for a hotel in the center of Paris. Uh, there, was, um, the, there was some spending money. Uh, there was a guidebook to Paris. Um, there was a booking for a taxi uh, to take us to the Eurostar on the Saturday morning. I mean, just picture it. It was amazing. This is in the days when international travel was legal. It was an amazing, amazing joy. And it was an amazing experience being given this box because we didn't have to do anything at all for the mystery weekend. We had to do nothing. Our friends, they organized everything for the weekend and they paid for it too. You see, our friends, they prepared the weekend for us on our behalf. They paid and we benefited. And it's like that with Jesus. Jesus, what does he offer us? He doesn't offer us a weekend in Paris. He offers us in the box, if you like, he offers us the gift of forgiveness for our sin. He offers us his Holy Spirit. He offers us eternal life. He offers us a home in heaven. And this weekend that we were given by our friends, maybe it cost, uh, I don't know, 500, 600 quid. But the, the gift that Jesus Christ offers us, it is worth all the riches of heaven. 
It's worth all the riches of heaven. And it cost Jesus his death on the cross. Jesus, he has prepared this gift for us by his death on our behalf. It is the most amazing gift that we are offered ever. You see, Jesus has prepared heaven for his people. So we don't need to be troubled about death because Jesus has prepared heaven for his people, but also Jesus will take his people to be with him in heaven. That's the next verse, verse three. Have a look at verse three. Jesus says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Jesus says that he will personally take us to be with him in heaven. He will, as it were, walk us in there. We have nothing to fear because it doesn't depend on us. Jesus' work on the cross in the past guarantees his word about our destiny in the future. Jesus will take his people to heaven. And you see, those two amazing truths, that Jesus has prepared heaven for his people and that Jesus will take his people to heaven, those two amazing truths, they present each one of us, they present us with a choice today. The first disciples were presented with exactly the same choice. Verse one, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled, trust in God, trust also in me. And so here's the choice. It is perhaps the most simple, clear choice ever. Here's the choice Are we troubled or trusting? Troubled or trusting? Which are you? Which is your heart? Troubled or trusting? That is the choice for each one of us. I love the story of Henry Venn, who was basically the founder of the Clapham sect. He was a curate here in Clapham, even before this church was built. And he was friends with John Thornton, who was the man with all the money in the Clapham sect. And together, they organized basically for this very church building to be built in 1776. And then Henry's son, John, John Venn, became rector of this church in 1792 and was at the very center of the Clapham sect. And by that time, Henry Venn was nearing the end of his life. And in the last months of his life, Henry Venn came to live here in Clapham to live in the vicarage uh, of this church with his son, John. And in the biography that's written about Henry Venn, this is written about him. It says this. It says, by June 1796, it was evident that Henry Venn was dying. However, when told that he was dying, the prospect made him so jubilant and high-spirited that it kept him alive for another two weeks. You see, today we are reminded about the ultimate reason why we don't have to be troubled. Because no longer do we need to think, what if I lose my job? What if I lose my health? What if I die? No longer do we need to think, what if? Not what if, but even if. Even if I lose my job. Even if I lose my health. Even if anything at all happens to me. Even if I die... Well, still, I know that through trusting in Jesus, I'm heading to heaven, so I do not need to let my heart be troubled. Now, that is the most wonderful encouragement. But my guess is that many of you are sitting there and you're thinking, well, hang on a moment, Jacob. 
That, that's all very well, but it's quite in the future, isn't it? I mean, that's sure, it's great, it's really encouraging. As we think about the distant future, this is comfort after death for the person that is trusting in Jesus. But, but hang on a moment, because look, it doesn't stop me worrying about, it doesn't stop me being troubled about, you know, the difficult things in this life. Uh, not so much the troubles with death, but the, the troubles with life. And there are plenty of those, Jago. What about those? Well, above all, in answer to all our troubles with life, above all, I'd love us to receive the amazing comfort of the little Greek word, monai. Now, it is my favorite Greek word, monai. It's probably the only Greek word I actually know, but it is my favorite Greek word, and it only appears twice in the entirety of the New Testament. And both times, this little Greek word, monai, which means dwelling place, literally, it, 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 both times it is spoken by Jesus. It's in Jesus' words. And both times it is here in John chapter 14. And the first time that Jesus uses this little word, monai, is in verse 2 of our passage. Just have a look at it. Uh, monai, it's translated in verse 2 as rooms. So Jesus says in verse 2, if you look there, he says, in my Father's house are many monai. Many, many rooms, many dwelling places. And that's what we've been focused on so far, that Christians, we will be in the future dwelling with the Father and Son in heaven. But the other time that Jesus uses the word monai is later in the chapter, in verse 23, where it's translated as home. So have a look at that, verse 23 of chapter 14. Jesus replied, those who love me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. And we will come to them and make our monai, make our home, our dwelling place with them. Now, isn't that amazing? In the future, our home will be with the Father and the Son in heaven. That's verse two. But right now, in the present, the Father and the Son will be at home in us here on earth. That's verse 23. And because of that glorious truth, rather than us being troubled in the present, troubled, you know, about work uncertainties or relationship uncertainties or financial uncertainties or health uncertainties or housing uncertainties or whatever else it might be, rather than being troubled, you and I, we can be trusting in the present because we know right now we have God with us, God dwelling in us, God at home in us by his spirit. And his spirit is there in us, helping us through these troubles, giving us both purpose and power for life here on earth, even in the midst of all these troubles. And so as I close, as I close, if, if, if you're not yet a Christian, if I'm honest, I'm not surprised if at times your heart does feel troubled, particularly with all that's going on at the moment. And you know, the remedy for your troubled heart, Jesus makes it so clear. The remedy for your troubled heart, verse one, Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. Jesus says the remedy for your troubled heart is to trust in him. To trust in him to deal with your sin and get you to heaven. To trust in him for all the challenges and the troubles you face in this life. To trust in him where you are troubled about death. Just think back for a moment. Just think back to our, our mystery weekend. Our friends, they paid for it all. 
Our, our friends, uh, they paid for it all. We didn't have to do anything. And yet, in some ways, there was something that we had to do. We couldn't just leave this sitting there on the mantelpiece unopened. We had to accept the offer. We had to open it up. We had to say, yes, I want that. And the wonderful thing is for each one of us, God offers you today a gift. In the box is the gift of forgiveness of sin, God's Holy Spirit living in you, eternal life starting now and going on beyond death into eternity, a home in heaven. And God offers you this gift. It is the most amazing gift that is on offer. But God will never force this gift on you. God loves us and love never forces. And so God offers you this gift today and you simply have a choice. A choice either to reject this gift, just to, to leave it as it were, sitting on the mantelpiece unopened. Or to say, yes, this is the most amazing gift ever and I want to accept it. I want to open up this gift and place my trust in Jesus. In Jesus for this life and in Jesus for life through death. Let's pray. I'd love just to take a moment, uh, just to make an opportunity for any person listening who would like to accept this gift that Jesus Christ offers you, this gift of forgiveness of sin, the gift of his spirit, the gift of a, a place in heaven. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray a prayer it's going to be a very simple prayer that you might like to echo in your heart. That, uh, In a sense, this prayer, it's the equivalent of saying yes to this gift that Jesus offers you. And the prayer simply involves three T's. The first T is thanking. Thanking Jesus for dying. For dying on your behalf. Jesus dying on your behalf. Thanking him for that. The second T is turning. It's turning from sin, turning from living a life independent of Jesus and turning from sin and turning to Jesus. And then the third T is trusting Jesus, trusting him, saying, Jesus, I trust you with my life. Jesus, I trust you to lead me. Jesus, I trust you to help me in the midst of my current troubles. Jesus, I trust that you can get me through death because you died for me on my behalf and you rose again. And I would love it if you might pray this prayer with me as a means of saying, yes, Jesus, I accept this wonderful, incredible gift that you offer me. So I wonder, would you pray this prayer now? Maybe echo it in your heart wherever you're listening to this. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. Jesus, thank you that you died on my behalf paying the price for all my sin and wrongdoing. And Jesus, right now, I want to turn from my sin and I turn to you today as my Savior and my Lord. And Lord Jesus, I place my trust in you. I trust that you have come now to dwell in me by your Spirit. And I trust that you'll guide me in any troubles in life. And I trust that you'll one day take me to be with you in heaven. Amen.